You're listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel, Las Vegas. This is where real faith meets real change. Be sure to listen to us through Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Follow us on your favorite service to get instant notifications when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also check us out on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com to find out more about what PCLV is all about. With that being said, listen up, because here comes the word. Go check the tomb of Buddha, he's still there. You can go check the tomb of Hare Krishna, and he's still there. Amen. But you go look at the tomb of Jesus, and it says he has risen. He's alive, and he lives in our lives, praise the Lord. Amen. I, I, I want to, to minister to you, man, a message that I feel, I, I really believe within my heart, you know, that if you'll open up your heart today, amen, you won't leave this place like you came. I don't know about you, but I remember 20, 27 years ago, no, 30, uh, 37 years ago, excuse me, when I was 19 years old, I remember going into a little church in Maywood, and I remember as I was, went into there, it, it was kind of a, just a, a, it was a trip because it was, it, was, it wasn't a setting that I was comfortable or used to being in. And I remember walking in there, and there was guys from different neighborhoods. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I ran with a gang in Compton. And, and, and I walked into this church, and there was guys there from Florence and from 18th Streets. And these were rival gangs from where I, where I came from. And then to see a pastor up on the platform, he was wearing a green polyester suit and some cowboy boots. I thought, wow, this is a trip. You know, prominently Hispanic church and a white pastor. I said, man, this is a trip. And, you know, and everybody was sitting on the edge of their seat and being very attentive to what he was saying, man. And it was like he, the words he had were the words of life, and he was sharing that with such intensity. And as I walked in, I said, man, either God's real in this place or there's going to be a fight right after service. <laughs> because, I, I, you know, I thought, man, this is a trip. But you know what? You know, when you come into a service like this, amen, something supernatural about God's word. I want to let you know that God's word is just not a book. It's just not some concepts or theories, but it's alive. Somebody say alive. God's word is alive. It's powerful. The Bible says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it can change your life. I want you to know it's the only thing that's ever changed my life. I've tried programs. I've tried, you know, self-help. And I've tried, you know, my willpower. But I want you to know it's only through God's word that it can change your life. And it can, it can make you into what God wants you, what he created you to be. I want you to know that God didn't just create you, amen, to take up space, to fill a chair, to go through life. He gave you, God made you with a purpose, on a purpose, and for a purpose. And as we go into this new year, I don't know about you, but I got my mind made up, amen. I know God's got a plan for me. He's got a purpose for me. He's got a job for me to accomplish this year. And, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm fixed on that, that that's what God's going to do in my life. And, and I'm, I'm hanging on like a pet bull with a pork chop, amen. I ain't letting go. I'm going to believe God for everything that he has for my life. You know, and you, you ever been to a service, something like this, and you, you feel like, man, somebody, somebody's been reading my mail or uh, pastor, somebody's been telling pastor about what's going on in my life. It's like they prepared the message just for you. How many ever felt like that? The message was just for you. Well, you know what? If you're sitting here today, this message is just for you. Come on, turn and tell somebody it's for you. And I want to let you know that if you will take this message and you'll, you'll begin to, to apply it to your life. I, I don't know who you are today. I don't know where you're at today, but you'll leave this place and you won't be the same. Because I believe this message today won't even just, just change your life. I believe this message can change this church. Amen. If you'll open up your heart today. 
And so I want you just to open up your ears, with, open up both ears and receive today what God has for your life. Amen. If you're one of those people that t- write down titles of messages, the title of my message today is called The Gift of God's Love. You know, we've all, we've all heard that, that scripture, you know, John 3.16, for God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved. God loves us this morning. Amen. Get that in your mind. Get that in your heart this morning that God loves you. Sometimes we get this thinking of God that he's this old man up in heaven. He's got this gray beard. Amen. He's got a stick in his hand and he's getting ready to beat the hell out of you. Have ever felt like that? God's mad at me because you know you've blown it. We've messed up. And you think that, you know, that, that God, God stands there and he's got a fist, his fist is clenched and he wants to hit you with something, amen. But that's, that's far from who God is. God has got his arms open. He's got a smile on his face. He looks at you with pride, with proudness, with that, man, that, that's my baby, that's my child, that's my son, that's my daughter. And God loves this morning. He loves us so much. Think about this. He loves us so much that he sent Jesus, his son, his only begotten son, to lay down his life. For you and I, while we were yet sinners. He didn't wait for Vince to get it together. He, while I was messed up, when I was strung out on drugs, when I was violent, when I was angry, when I was hurting people, he came, amen, and he died on the cross in my place. And so this morning, I want you just to open up your heart, amen, to the fact that God has a gift for you. He, his love wants to touch your life today. You know, the, the, the retail industry, they capitalize on certain seasons of the year and they, to boost their sales and special events, sales promotions, amen, to move products in volume. We see things like right before Christmas, they have that, uh, right after Thanksgiving, they have like Black Friday, they have Cyber Monday. I mean, if you came back from where I'm from, amen, back in then when Kmart, they used to have blue light specials, amen, uh, amen. But things to, to promote sales, to create volume, they look for those windows of opportunity to promote, to get people to come out and spend money, amen, on their products, well, I want you to know that this is a, this is a time and a, a window of opportunity, you mean, to be a witness and to reach out to people. Because in the beginning of the year, how many know that everybody's making those resolutions? People are trying to get on the good foot. They're trying to get, turn over leaf. They're trying to get a fresh start going in their life and say, man, you know what, this year's going to be different from last year. And so they're trying to make some adjustments to, to, to you know, to make life better for them. And I want to let you know that we don't need gimmicks. We don't need smoke and glass and mirrors, amen, to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen. The Bible says the lesson of the Spirit of God draws a man, he can't even get saved. I want to let you know that I wasn't looking for God. I, I wasn't looking for Bishop Bubba or the Virgin Mary. God came looking for me. He had a bench warp for my arrest, amen. And his spirit began to draw me like a magnet to a metal, amen. And he began to pull upon my life. How much you know, every time my uncle would share God with me, it would make me uncomfortable. It'd make me sweat. It'd make me feel like, man, I was like, you know, you know, get, you know, get off my back. But because the, the, the hound dog of heaven was chasing me down. Come on, he was chasing me down. He was pulling on my life. And I kept feeling that because I knew, you know, God knew that when he created me, even though I, I wasn't a planned pregnancy, I mean, you guys have heard, many of you have heard my testimony, amen, I wasn't a planned pregnancy, I mean, I was just a, 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 a moment of passion and heat at Motel 6 between my mom and dad, amen, and all of a sudden, nine months later, here I came. But nevertheless, even though they didn't plan me, God knew I was coming and he had a plan for my life, you know, he predestined you and I. He knows right where you're at today. He knew you'd be in church today hearing this message. And so I want you to know when you think about this, you know, when we share God's word, we share God's love with people, hey amen, you know, that, that, here's a window of opportunity. This beginning of this year, I, I like your guys' banner, the voice. We're a voice, hey amen. God wants us to be a voice. We're called to be the light, the salt of this earth. And so I want you to understand something with me this morning, hey amen, uh, that God has a gift. Just like how we all receive gifts during Christmas time. God's got a gift, and he wants us to freely give it away. 
I said he wants us to freely give it away. So I want to talk this morning. I mean, I want to share some posing questions with you. And I, I'm going to labor on this just for a moment because I'm trying to set a platform. And I want you to get a, a good understanding where I'm going with this. I want to talk about, you know, when you think about what is a Christian, you know, there, there, there's a tension and there's a contention that goes on in churches because of truth and grace and doctrine. And we, we think about what a Christian is. And when we think about, you know, the, the, the definition of a Christian, what a real believer, amen, is a Christian. I mean, what, what are they? And when you talk about what is a Christian, a lot of things come to people's mind about what a Christian is. You, you, you know, it, it, it's, you know, when you're not a Christian, you come into a church like this. For some people, I don't know about you, but the first time I went into a Christian church, it was a real awkward feeling. Because where I was, when I was brought up, my mother took us to, you know, the Catholic church. And it was very, very different from coming into a church like this. You know, and, and this church is a little conservative. I mean, I'm not, I, as evangelists, I get to go minister in a lot of different churches. I get to go to churches where they're dancing in the altar. They're running up and down the aisles. They're swinging from the chandeliers and running on the back of the chairs. Then I've gone into some churches, amen, where it's almost, you know, they got lights going on and they got smoke rolling off the, 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 the altars and, and, you know, it, from the, you know it, they create this, this, all these different types of atmospheres and they got, you know, the, the big you know, monitors, TVs. You know, so different churches, you know, they, they have different types of, 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 a, of a feel and of the, the music. Some, in some churches I've gone to minister at, you know, they got a full-on, during the worship, they got a big old choir behind them, and then they, they got a full-on orchestra going on, and, it, and it's different. So maybe from the church you've been to growing up as a child, it was very quiet, very solemn. Come on. And so you come into a setting like this, you think, you know, if you're not a believer, it's kind of uncomfortable. It's awkward. Maybe you hear people, that, you know, they're clapping their hands, and from where you came from, they didn't clap their hands in the church that we went to before. Or, or you hear somebody over in the corner, you know, speaking in tongues, you think, man, what the heck is that? Real awkward feeling. How many you know what I'm talking about? When you first come in, and you're not comfortable with this setting. But when you're thinking about, you know, you, know you, you think to yourself, man, this is weird. You know, people clapping their hands and singing, and, and you know, is this a church or is this a nightclub, you know? It, it's just kind of a real awkward feeling. Until you become a believer and you become simulated in the body of Christ, it becomes very, you know, it's awkward at first, but then it becomes very normal. It becomes very comfortable, amen, with, with, and, there, and there's no problem. But until there, there's always this kind of awkwardness. And, and you know, as I said, there's different kinds of churches, and they do things different. They do things. I, I went to a church a, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Art. They took up the offering, and usually, you know how you had the ushers come up? These, this church, they started at the back and worked their way up. They took their offerings from the back, and I thought, wow, that was kind of different. Because it's not what we're used to. It's not normal or what we think is normal. And so when you think about Christianity or Christians, you know, if I went around this building today and I asked 10 or 20 of you guys, amen, what do you think, what would you, how would you defin, defin, uh, definite, give me a definition for the word Christian? Are you a Christian? If I asked you, are you a Christian? You know, I'd get about 10 or diff, 20 different answers. Some of you say, well, yeah, I, I'm a Christian, but I, I want to explain myself. Or I'm, an, I'm a Christian, but I'm not like those Christians. Come on, stay with me this morning. And, and so, you know, when we come into these settings, sometimes it's real, real awkward trying to get used to the different things that we have to deal with now because we come out of different. You know, my mom, we, when I, we were little, she took us to the Catholic church, and it was very quiet in the church. Remember that when it was real quiet in the church? They had candles going on, and, and it was very solemn, very stoic. We're going to pray now. Shh, shh, we're praying, shh. But then you come into a church like this and we're praying, it's not like we're hollering at God, spitting at God. Completely different. And so it's a different feeling. And so, you know, there's different churches, different people, different backgrounds, 
different upbringings from where we get used to, you know. And as I said, I've, I've ministered in a lot of different churches. But you know what? I, one thing I've found in a lot of churches that I've ministered at, there are a lot of mean Christians in church. Mean. I'm talking about attitudes. I've walked to some churches. They don't know I'm the guest speaker. I'll come in, and I'll sit down, and they'll walk up and say, you can't sit there. I mean, with an attitude. You know, I'll have a bottle of water with me. You can't have water in our sanctuary. Excuse me. And I walk back out, take it out. I've been in churches and I was chewing gum. And they walked up with a little piece of paper and it said on the paper, put your gum in this. We don't chew gum in the sanctuary. But, you know, not with any tact. They were just rude about it. And so I've, I've met a lot of churches. I mean, I've, been, I've met a lot of people in churches. that they're, they're, they're just some real mean people in church. Can somebody say amen? Don't look at your neighbor. Amen. Real, I've thought to myself, there's some churches that I've gone to, I thought, I've thought to myself, I wouldn't go to that church. I wouldn't go to that church, amen? Because sometimes churches are just filled with mean people, amen? And, and mean people, they have attitudes, they, they, they have, like they're there for, you know, they're there to be served, they're there for revenge. And, you know, as I said, back when I got saved, you know, in this little church in Maywood, amen, we, we, we kind of had this saying, just like the sign you have out in front, if you don't have a home, welcome home. And home is a place where we let our hair down, come on, take our shoes off, and we do life together. Some of you are looking at you, me like, you ain't got no hair. <laughs> Pastor Art remembers when I had hair. I used to have a lot of hair. But it's being at churches where there's mean people that's made me lose my hair. <laughs> I used to have a lot of hair, trust me. Matter of fact, years ago when I came in, how long have you guys been here now? 18 years, man. Matter of fact, Pastor Art sent me a, tr- a picture about... I guess it must have been about 16 years ago when we, I, I, you guys were on Sahara. And I ministered, me and him and my wife and his wife were standing out in front of the church. We took a picture. I had hair in that picture. I had hair in that picture. But when we come together, this is like a home. We're a family. And this is a place where you can let your hair down and take your shoes off and we do life together. But I know something, you know, when we come together to do life, it, 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 it makes sense in that because, you know, the church is a body. And it's a place where God wants to move. And he adds to the body as it pleases him. And he, he moves in our midst. But if I, again, if I ask 10 or 20 different pe- people in this place, what is a Christian? You know, the amazing thing, I would get different answers from different people. And if somebody walked up to you on the street and asked you, are you a Christian? And you would probably say, yes, you are. And you would want to explain to it what you meant by what you said. And, you know, there, it's very true. When you talk about it, amen, some of you have become Christians by saying a prayer. Somebody told you that if you said you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that you, you shall be saved. And you became a Christian by that. And you go around after you said that prayer, you go around telling people, I'm a Christian because I said this prayer. Not necessarily by the transformation, but by the prayer that you said. Some of you, you were baptized. How many remember when you got baptized? Maybe you got baptized as a baby. And that, that, because of that, you have gone around and told people, yeah, I got baptized as a Christian. And some of you are looking weird like, well, I thought we didn't baptize babies. But some of us, we got baptized amen, as babies. In that church that we went to before. And see, and those kind, of, those kind of doctrinal arguments come up, you know, when you talk about either being baptized as a baby or being baptized when you come to an age of accountability. And some of us at the church that we went to before, amen, we went through that process called our confirmation. I don't know about you, but I did all my sacraments. I went through my confirmation. I went through my first Holy Communion. Uh, I got baptized, amen. And then I went through an exorcism where they cast the devil out of me, Amen. And, I, you know, when you get, confir- when you get, you get, you get go through your confirmation, they give you that certificate of, of confirmation, and you feel, you know, I'm established. I'm established Christian now. And, and, you know, but when you think about it, what, 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 what is it? Is it the prayer? Is it the baptism? Is it the confirmation? Or is it none of them at all? 
Well, that's where we're going to camp out this morning, amen. We're going to talk about this. I got some posing questions. And, and, and just excuse me as I labor on this point for just a moment because I want you to understand something this morning, amen. When people start thinking about what a Christian is, what a Christian is, it, it, it could be all of these things that I've mentioned or it could be none of them at all. And you may be thinking, what are you talking about? You know, some of us, we were raised in a home and we were taught that our brand of Christianity was the only true brand. Come on, a lot of us were raised in Catholic homes where we were taught that the Catholic church was the only true church. And some of us were raised in Protestant churches where we were taught that was the only true religion, that was the only true church. I mean, how could be there, there be so many churches, and, and worse, you mean, you mean, could they all be right or worse, could they all be wrong? And so these are opposing questions that we, we have to just talk about sometimes, you know. I've heard some Christians say, or people say, you know, I was a Christian. So I say to them, what do, what do you mean you was a Christian? And so they explained to me, you know, that, you know, my parents, when, they, when I was little, I mean, that's the church that we went to. And they said that we were Christians, and so that's what, what, what our tradition was in our family. And so I went around telling people that I was a Christian. But when I became an adult, you know, and, and I thought, decided I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm especially not going to let my parents tell me what I need to do. And I decided I don't want to be a Christian anymore, so now I'm not a Christian. I once was a Christian, but now I'm not. But there's, you know, there's some people that, that, that say that there's no such thing as once a Christian. Because some of you know, once a Christian, always a Christian. And these are the things that come up and we get into these doctrinal arguments about, you know, you can't be a once a Christian. There's no such thing as a once a Christian. Show me where it says that in the Bible that you were once a Christian. Or, or some of us, we were taught that once we said that prayer and we asked Jesus into our heart, then we were a Christian. But once you sinned, you're no longer a Christian. I mean, so, I mean, how does that work? How does that work? Think about that. You see, for the church to, to stay alive, and we, we here, we're, here, we're here, amen, and we're, we're, we're Christians, amen, we get into all kinds of these arguments, and, you know, and, and, we're, we're, and where churches get all these divisions and all these things start happening, but I want you to know, for a church to stay alive, it needs to grow. And to grow, amen, we have to reap, amen, just like when, when families have children, they have a baby. You know, and that baby, when they first bring the baby home, it's small and it's, it's, it's tiny and it's cuddle. It, you, you want to cuddle it. You want to love it. But it, it, in its natural, healthy state, it begins to grow. I mean, when your child's this big, amen, and, and it's only, you know, a couple months old, and amen, when it gets 10 years old, if it's still that big, something's wrong. And so the natural thing that happens is it grows. Well, same thing, the body of the Christ, the church, is supposed to grow. I said it's supposed to grow. And so I want to talk about this this morning. When we think about what is a Christian, what is the church, amen, it's, we, we are the light to this world, and we are the body of Christ. And I want you just to just stay with me for just a moment, because I'm going somewhere with this, and as I labor on this point, I want you to get an understanding of what I'm, of what I'm, what I'm trying to, to bring across to you this morning. Because I said, like, we, like, we get into these, these doctrinal arguments, or we get into these discussions about what a Christian is, and or am I a Christian, or what made you a Christian, or why you're not a Christian, you know? Some of us, we hit, when we, I don't know about you, when I first got saved, I hit every altar call. I got saved 3,000 times. Some of you know what I'm, you're talking, what I'm talking about. But here in Vegas, all the, you know, they call this sin city, all things that go on in this, hey man, you can respond to every call, altar call for every service because of everything you have to contend with in this city. Listen to me, because all of us, you can, we all can relate to this because some of us, we've had good days and we've had bad days. We've been good guys and we've been bad guys. Let's just be real this morning. Amen. I'll pray for liars after service. Amen. You know, you don't want to, amen. But you know, when you think about the reality of this, for a lot of Christian, for a lot of people, 
Christianity is all about a belief system. And what, what I mean when I say a belief system is what I'm saying is it's all about your doctrine. If you have good doctrine, therefore your doctrine is good and therefore you're good. And others say that it doesn't matter, amen, about your doctrine. If your doctrine doesn't have behavior or a lifestyle to back it up, what good is your doctrine? What good is truth, amen, that you're not living? And there's a group of people, amen, that just hate Christians altogether. Amen, there's a group of people that just think, amen, that Christians are just a bunch of homophobic, judgmental, moralist, amen, that think that they're the only ones that's going to heaven and everybody else is going to hell because they've got that kind of thinking. And you see, these are posing questions that I want to ask you, amen, some of these posing questions. So if I were to ask you now, after everything that I've said, if I were to ask you now, are you a Christian, you would probably answer at this point, yes, I am. But I want to qualify what I mean when I say that I'm a Christian. I want to make sure before I answer you that I am a Christian. I want you to understand first, amen, what I'm saying. You, you know, that the, the word Christian, the word Christian is only found three times in the whole word of God. Think about that. That word Christian, that thing that we call ourselves, it's only found three times in the whole Bible. I want you to turn with me in Acts chapter 11, verse 25. Every time that word Christian is used in the Bible, it's used in a derogatory way. It's a statement. It's a labeling of what they called the early church, the early believers. They, called them, they were called Christians. They didn't call themselves Christians. They were called Christians. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 11, verse 25, Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him into Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church, and they taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. You see, they didn't call themselves Christians. Amen. This was a label that was put upon them, amen, by other people. And you've been, you ever been around people, or you ever remember when, when you, you first gave your life to the Lord, or you first start seeing yourself around Christians, and, you know, people would come around and you would say, you know, don't, don't talk that way around them because they're Christians. Don't cuss around them because those people over there, they're Christians. Or don't put your beard down. They're Christians. Or, or change your radio station. They don't listen to that kind of music. They're Christians. It's, it's said in a derogatory way. Well, that's what they did back in the, in the, in the, in the when you hear and we read in the book of Acts. When Christianity or the word Christian was first labeled upon the believers, they were in a derogatory way. They meant to them. They put it out. They referred to them as Christians as a way of labeling. It's like, it's like saying those people are geeks. We're not cool. cool. You know, those are those, those people. That, 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 that attitude, a labeling. Are, are you with me this morning? And so you say they didn't call themselves this, amen. They, amen. they called themselves disciples. Somebody say disciples. They called themselves disciples. You know, you, now, you know the word the disciple, the word disciple, it has a definition to it. The word Christian, it was a derogatory term. It had no definition to it, amen. It didn't come, amen. There was a definition for the word Christian until many years later. We know now Christian means Christ-like, or that was the definition that was given, amen, to that word. But the word disciple had a definition to it, amen. It meant that you were a disciple, a learner, a pupil, a follower, or you were an imitator of your, whatever your master does. Now, if you want to be a disciple, it's very easy to open up God's word and to figure out what he wants us to do with our life as a disciple. A disciple is different from a Christian. So if I were to ask you today if you're a Christian... I want to let you know that about 99% of you would say, yes, I'm a Christian. But if I were to ask you, are you a disciple? Now, that's a whole different question. I said, that's a whole different question. Are you hearing me this morning? So I ask you, are, are, are you a Christian? And, and some of you would, would say, you know, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
I, I am a Christian, and, and I mean, when you're saying in my mind, disciple, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm married, and I've got kids, I've got a wife, or I've got a husband, I've got a, I got a responsibility. I mean, what do you expect me to do? Just pick up everything and go follow Jesus? I mean, you, you want me to just stop what I'm doing? Because as you're telling me, if a disciple is someone that follows their master, that's an imitator of their master, that's a learner of their master, or you, do you expect me just to just stop what I'm doing? You know, I've got a life to live. Let's see what Jesus' last words to his disciples were before he departed. Look with me in John chapter 13, verses 33 through 35. Now, this, is, this message this morning is not one of those, you know, I'm not going to hype you with a bunch of emotions. But I'm going to bring something to you this morning that when, when I read this in God's word and God spoke to me in my heart about this word, I thought, wow, this is why I'm at where I'm at today, because of the gift of God's love. We see here in John chapter 13, verses 33 to 35, Jesus is talking to his disciples. This is after he just finished washing their feet. They're sitting around. They're having a conversation. They're fellowshipping. And Jesus is getting ready to leave. He knows he's getting ready to go be crucified, and he's going to be going to heaven. And so he's sitting down with his disciples. And he, this is the words that he tells them. He says, my children, I will be with you only a little while longer, and you will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. Now, now, let's just stop there for just a minute. I mean, can you imagine this now? All of a sudden, Peter, he perks up, and he says, wait a minute. You know, what do you mean where you're going, we can't come? I mean, this, we're, we're, we're a group, man. We're a band. This is how we roll. Where you go, we go. But Jesus, right away, Peter, he, he, he starts talking to Jesus, saying, you know, what, what do you mean you're going someplace and we can't go? I mean, he asks him, is, is Andrew going? Is James going? Because, I mean, if they're going, I know I'm going. What, what do you mean where you go, we can't go? I mean, that's just how we roll. I mean, how many ever met any Peters in church? Always worried about what everybody else is doing. And Jesus starts to talk, amen. He, 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 he continues on. He says, a new command I give you. Somebody say a new command. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You want to define Christianity? Here it is, right here. Right here. Jesus says, a new command I give you. Jesus tells these guys, fellas, listen up. These, I want you to listen to what I'm saying. He draws them in. Can you imagine this? Can you just try to picture this scenario? He's sitting around with all the disciples. And he tells you guys, listen up. I want you guys to get real close. I want you to listen with both ears because I'm going to share one thing with you before I leave. I'm getting ready to go. But I want you to catch this. Because this may be the most important thing that I'm going to share with you before I leave. He says, a new command I give you. I want you to love one another. How? The way I loved you. Love one another. That the people in this world will see that and they'll know that by your love one for another that you are my disciples. That you are my followers. You remember when Jesus loved you? You remember what you were doing? Remember where you were at? You know, we go, we're going into the year 2009, and, you know, sometimes we can be in church for a while, and God's changed us. He's set us free from things. Some of you, you brush your teeth now and you wear underwear. Come on. Some of you, amen, you're not living under the bridge anymore, amen, you're not chasing the connection anymore. Some of you are not pole dancing anymore. Come on. Some of us are not, amen, down, amen, on Friday, blowing the whole check, amen, 
trying to make a bet and thinking you're going to be the lucky one. You remember where you were? I don't, I don't know about you, but I didn't wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm going to put on my best clothes and go down to church and give my life to Jesus. No, Jesus came, like I said, came looking for me. When he found me, I was strung out. I had the stench of alcohol, drugs. I was hurt. I was angry. When did Jesus love you? When did he love me? The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, he didn't wait for you to get it together. He didn't wait for me to get it together. He says, you know what? While you were yet sinners, I came and I died for you. He says, so this new command I give you, I want you to listen real close. Before I leave, I'm going to give you this new commandment. I want you to love one another the same way that I loved you. Love one another. That the world may see this and know that you are my disciples. Man, when I read this, I thought, wow. Man, Lord, you, you took the time. You came out of darkness. You came out of light and ran into my darkness to save me. You came off your throne and hung on a cross to pay the ransom for my debt that I owed. God, you came from your glory, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you came to this earth and you took on the form of a man, born in a manger, the lowest of lows, that you walked this earth, and that you laid down your life, you shed your blood, you were wounded for my transgressions, you were bruised for my iniquities, and by your stripes, Lord God, you made a way that I could be healed. You did that for me while I was yet a sinner. Think about that for a moment. And sometimes we can be in church after a while, you know, and God's changed us, and like I said, uh, he cleans us up, and then somebody comes into the church, and maybe, you know, she's got a low-cut blouse on or a high-rise high dress on, and you're looking at her like, you filthy sinner. Or they got the stench of cigarettes on them, and you think, wow, the nerve of them to, to, to come into our church smelling like that. Where were you at when God saved you? You know, I remember when we were pastoring the church in the city of Azusa. We had a, a you know, after we were there for a few years, God laid it upon my heart to, 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 to start a men's home, a satellite from Jacob's Ladder. And we had a home there in, in the city of Azusa. And prior even to having that home, I remember when we were still at the mother church, I don't know why, but the Lord, the Lord put it on me and my wife's heart when we were there at the mother church. We always made a point to go and greet the men's home. I, it, I know it was God because inside of me, that, I didn't have that naturally have that kind of love. But God just put it in my, in my heart and put it in my wife's heart. We would always take the time to go say hello to all the guys in the men's home. These guys were messed up. Some of them, they were court-mandated there. Some of them, they, they were still rough around the edges. Some of them, they, you know, they, you know, they, they just were just, you know, God was just do, starting to do something in their life. But we made an effort to reach out to them and love them and let them know that they mattered, that they were part of this family. Because I didn't forget where God brought me out of. And so when we were in Azusa, the Lord put it in my heart to start a satellite of, of Jacob's Ladder, and we started a men's home there. And part of that men's home program is we could go down to the court and we could you know, give a man an option to rather go to jail or come and stay at the men's home. And you'd be surprised, man, when they got an option like that, oh, I want to go to church now. I don't want to go to jail. I want to go get my life right with Jesus and serve the Lord. And so they would come, and they would, they would, they would, they would stay in our home. They were court-mandated mandated there. Some of them were, were court-mandated for a year sometimes, six months. But they would come into our home. And, we, you know, they, they weren't saved. They, 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 were, they, were, they were on their way to prison. But they ended up coming to our home instead. And you know what we did for that year? We beat them up. 
We told them they were wretched, filthy sinners that needed to get right with Jesus. No, I'm kidding. We didn't do that. <laughs> I didn't do, we didn't do that. We loved on them. We showed them God's love. I remembered what God did in me, and so I started, my wife and I, we would do that with them. We would love them and make them feel like they're part of our family. Made them feel like they were part of our, 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 our you know, our church. And I remember there was a couple guys that really stood out in my mind. Pastor, there was this one guy named Chuck, big burly guy, big beard and mustache. He had tatted down. This guy, he was state raised in prison all of his life. He was probably running with the Aryan Brotherhood, just mean looking guy. This guy was just, just mean. And I remember he used to sit at the back of the church, and he would just sit there with his arms folded. You know, he, he was there because he had to be there. He was court mandated, and he had to be there, part of the home. He had part of the, being in the home, you had to go to the Bible study, you had to come to prayer meeting, you had to come to the church services. And I remember after a couple of months, pretty soon you watched Chuck. You know, he would stay around after church, we'd fellowship, and we'd always, you know, give him a plate and make him, you know, make him feel like part of the family. And I remember after a couple of months, I started watching Chuck. So I walked up to, him, to, up to him after one of the services, and I looked at him. I said, hey, Chuck, I go, it's getting on you, huh, bro? And he just kind of looked at me. He goes, what are you talking about? I go, this Jesus thing, God's love. I go, it's, it's penetrating, huh? I go, it's getting on you, huh, bro? He just kind of walked. He goes, man, you're freaking me out, dude. <laughs> and he walked away from me, and he walked outside and went out to the, the corner of the property. He was smoked a cigarette, and he was standing there. And, you know, it just it kind of, it, you know, he couldn't understand what it was, but it was the love of God getting on him. And he comes walking back past the church, and he's going over to the men's home. I just looked at him, just kind of nodded at him. You know, I watched God do something in Chuck's life. The love of God got into Chuck's life, man. He became a servant. He wanted just to help in any way he could. I remember one day he was sitting down with me and my wife. He was talking. He goes, you know, he goes, it blows my mind. He goes, I know people don't take the time enough to tell you how much we appreciate you making a place like this where we can come and God can touch our life. And I just want you and, 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 and Sister Rose to know that I appreciate that. And I thought, wow. God touched this man's life from being hard, from being bitter, from being angry. That's the love of God. That's the love of God. Amen. That it would touch his life. And so I want to share this with you this morning, church. You know, a lot of times, you know, I, you know, I, I know that, you know, your, your, your wife's jacked up and your husband's a bozo and your kids are demon-possessed. And I know that you're the only one that's stabled and you're in your right mind. Amen. But you know what? The next time, amen, the next time, amen, when you, you want to be Amen. You know, angry towards somebody. Amen. Remember this command. This new command that he gave us to love one another. Not based on how they treat you, but on how he treated you. On how he treated you. When you were messed up, he loved you. You know, almost 13 years ago, after being in church for 27 years, I fell. Because I got bitter and angry inside. And I dropped my guard. And I just went on a moonwalk. And I, I walked away from the ministry. Walked away from my wife. We got divorced. I thank God that here we just got, we got remarried. Amen. God's doing something in our life. But during that time, she showed me an unconditional love. She could have, I mean, she could have really, she could have, she could have took me to the cleaners. Amen. She could have said, you know what, I'm getting all your money, fool. You should have never left me. I'm good. I, I, was your, I was your dream. Now I'm going to be your nightmare, amen. But she loved me. How? How did she love me? Like God loved her. I remember when I was in that state of mind, I was angry. And I was bitter towards everybody. And I remember your pastors. One of the, I, I can count on one hand the people that reached out to me when I was in that state of mind. Your pastors were one of the people that reached out to me. 
And how did, you know, when he, when he, he invited me to come to church. He says, bro, it's not about church. It's about, uh, you're my friend. You're my family. You're my brother. I don't need to preach to you. You know the word of God. I just want to love you, man. I'm, I'm just concerned about your soul. And he reached out to me. And he, 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 he exhibited this command to love me, to love me how Christ loved him. And then it, it blew my mind. He gave me a platform. He asked me if I'd come and minister to the men. And, you know, and I, I, I was barely starting to get right in my mind. But he showed me, because it's not done in your life. God's not done, God's not done in your life. And you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe you're here today and you're, you're going through changes and you need a fresh start and a new beginning. You need a, this, this year needs just a, a change of thinking. You just need a, just, a, just, man, you know what, God, just wipe the chalkboard clean. Let me have a fresh start this year. Let me just start over and help me, God, to love people the way you love me. And when you think about that, man, I, I so appreciate your pastors that they, that, and, and since then, I mean, if you follow me on social media, man, God's just opened doors. I'm preaching, I'm not, not, not I'm in, in different organizations, different fellowships, different churches, and you know, and it's just, it's God. Because each one of us matter, matters so much that God would lay down his life, his son, Jesus Christ, and show us that kind of love. So the next time when you think about, you know, when you're going through something, you know, and, and, you're, and, you're, and you're feeling like, man, you know, and, and, or, or people come to church and you see how they act and, you know, you, you know or maybe, you have, like I said, you have a spouse or a child, amen, that's kind of wayward. Don't give up on them. Love them. I've got a son right now. He's strung out on methadone. He's a pothead. And he's, he's, he's antisocial. He, he, you know, he, he's a totally against the government. He, he, he thinks, you know, that the government's out to just to mess him over. And, you know, and his little, his, 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 his little thing that he does is his, his, his hustle is he sells weed. But my wife tells me, you keep loving him. You know, he, he chested up to me a few months ago. Like, you know, he, he's going to try to chest up to me. I, I, I'll knock you out, boy. But, you know, but, you know and, but my wife tells me, you know what, don't get angry at him. You got to remember where he's at, where his thinking's at. Love him. And that's hard for me. That's hard for me. I've been there for my son. But God reminded me, he says, Vince, I've been there for you with my son. Love him. Reach out to him. Don't give up on him. You know, and so this year, I'm, I'm determined that somehow, some way, I'm going to break through that, that little gangster attitude that he has. Amen. And I'm going to reach out to him. And, and, and somehow, by God's love, I mean, who can deny that kind of love? Think about it. When we deserve to go to hell, and Jesus said, you know what? No. I'm going to lay down my life on the cross so that you can make it to heaven. Not that you deserve it, not that you earned it, but because I love you. And I want to let you know, when you think about that, man, I don't know about you, but that should turn you on. If that don't turn you on, maybe your switch is broken. Come on. Because you know what? When we think about it, we need that. Like I said, I didn't come to hype you this morning. I came to bring this truth to you. I want to close with this scripture. I want you to turn with me this morning to the book of John, 1 John, rather. 1 John chapter 4. And what I like to do, Pastor, as the pastor of this church, I want you to read this, this portion of Scripture to your congregation because this is what God wants us to do. As we go into the year 2019, get your thinking lined up with God's Word to say, you know what, I'm not going to start taking my cues now on people about how they treat me or how they act towards me, but I'm going to take my cues on how he treats me and how he's responded to my life, you know, because like I said, none of us, I don't know about you, I didn't deserve heaven. By all rights, I deserved to burn in hell. I was on my way to hell in the carpool lane, taking everybody with me. But Jesus came 
and he rescued me from me, from me. And so the next time you feel like you have the right, you have the, the, the you, I, you know what, I, I, I deserve to be angry at these people, or I deserve not to forgive these people, or I deserve to get even with these people. Remember, this new command, Jesus said, I give to you. Love one another. How? Like I've loved you. Pastor Art, read this, this portion of scripture to your congregation. This was John the Revelatory when he wrote the book of Revelations. He wrote this. This is years after he became more mature as a Christian and understood about God's love. We call ourselves God's children, and we need to love one another. You know, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, maybe you're a visitor, I want to say I'm sorry to you. I want to apologize on behalf of the church because a lot of times we've been a bad example of what a Christian should be because after you get saved for a little while, we get this mindset, we almost become pharmaceutical where we forgot where God brought us from. And so today, I, if you're, like I said, if you're here today and you're a visitor and you, you, this is your first time coming and you thought, well, I want to apologize. I'm sorry that we've given you a bad view. When I say we, the church in general, not, I'm not saying this church, but I'm saying the church in general, Christians have given the world a bad view because the world should look at us and say, so that's how Christians love their wife. That's how a Christian wife loves her husband. That's how the church loves the homeless, by seeing our love one for another. And so maybe, you know what, I want to leave you, leave you with this challenge. I want to leave you with this challenge. I want to challenge you. You know, if you don't do nothing else in the Bible but this one new commandment, why don't you try that for a month? Do this one commandment. Love one another just the way Christ loved you. Did he love you? He loved you so much that he laid down his life for you. Try that for a month and watch what God will do in this church because God will add. Where there's a place where God's love is operating, God will add to that. He will increase that. He will bless that because that's what he's called us to be, a light and the salt of this earth. Because it's real easy to be angry. It's real easy to have revenge. It takes a little, a little, little more effort to love. Can you say it, amen? You know, that's when we come together. I don't know about you. I don't know the Bible talks about that's where the brethren come to learn to love one another. If you ever met somebody, you say, I'm going to have to learn to love that brother. Amen. Help me, Jesus is right. I've met some people and think, man, Lord, I don't even know why you died for them, Lord. <laughs> but God says, because I died for you the same way. Amen. So let's just learn to love one another. I want every head bow, every eye.